Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner in Vegas, and my co-host Chris Lisa is on Long Island. Uh, the fourth and final division preview of the 2019 NHL season is going to be going down today. We're going to take a look at the Atlantic Division with Dan Harrison, Tampa Bay Lightning Insider. Um, always look forward to talking to Dan. He's, he's really good at what he does, so make sure you check him out on Twitter af- after the show, of course. Um, we got some VGK talk. It looks like the lineup's c- coming together. There were some injuries in last night's game. We don't have updates yet this morning, so that might affect who's going to make the initial team out of camp. Um, for Cody, Cody Glass fans, there might be a, a glass half full, half empty sort of situation there, and we're going to get to all of it in just a minute. We'll be right back. All right, Vegas Golden Knights hockey fans around the globe. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to join us on this Saturday morning, the last weekend before the regular season gets underway. And we know two things being in Vegas. A, it, you know you're in Vegas when it's 85 degrees out and a little tiny breeze and you take your daughter to work in the morning and she goes, oh, thank goodness it's autumn. <laughs> so it, 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 it's 85 and, and it feels like a cooling trend. So you know you're in Vegas. But the other thing you know in the first week of October is that the NHL regular season is about to get underway. So uh, we're, we're all looking forward to that. Maybe, maybe uh, not too soon for some Vegas Golden Knights. There's some injuries last night. We're going to get into all of that. First, let me bring in uh, my good friend Chris Lisa out on Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir to you and uh yeah a little shout out to us uh, to the show here uh this week we broke 25,000 listens so thanks to everyone for listening and please pass the word uh through social media through whatever you do and uh we'll keep bringing you some great hockey talk so uh <clears throat> excuse me once you break it down my friend in terms of these final roster spots who's on the bubble the decisions I know you mentioned there was a couple injuries uh, last night, which might uh, be a factor, at least at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alex Tuck went into the board sort of awkwardly, sideways, face first in the second period, and didn't come out for the third. He did finish the second. I think he had a couple shifts after that, but did not come out for the third, and there, there's no update on Alex yet. Um, obviously, that would be a big loss if, if Alex isn't ready to start the season. Last season, I believe he missed the first eight games with an injury from the preseason. That sounds about right, yeah. So we're, we're not looking forward to that at all. Um, hopefully it's, it's, uh, it's just a kind of a bruising thing, and he'll be ready to go on opening night. Um, Cody Eakin left the game in the third period and did not return. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's going to – I mean, if Cody's not ready to go to start the season, I think that, that changes what appears to be the plan. Last night's uh, lineup – was 90, 95% regulars the first time we've seen them all skate together. Um, first period was a little disjointed and chaotic. Uh, the Kings took advantage of, of that and jumped on, on the Vegas Golden Knights early and held on to win the game. But it, it 
might have been a sneak preview of where Gerard Gallant is headed with his roster decisions coming out of camp. Um, earlier in the week, we had what appeared to be the favorite uh, defenseman from from Chicago to make the team, uh, Dylan Coughlin, a right-handed shot, 6'2", 190. He was sent down. Um, White Cloud was injured in the Colorado game and was listed week to week. So there's two of the five defensemen that, you know, have been battling throughout camp and rookie camp to, to secure that last spot on the roster opening night. Um, that Jake Bischoff is still with the team. Uh, I've been checking this morning. He is still with the team, but he's considered um, a kind of long shot out of the three. So you still have Jimmy Schultz and Nick Haig. And when asked which one of them um, – you know, was kind of the favorite heading into last night's game. Gerard Gallant said, who says we're only going to take one? So that that could open up an interesting possibility where to start the season. Uh, Jimmy Schultz, he's a left-handed shot, also 6'1", and Nick Haig, left-handed shot, 6'6", 215. Is Gerard Gallant maybe thinking to go 13 forwards, eight defensemen coming out of camp? Um, Jimmy Schultz being a little smoother skater, um, a little more polished uh, after spending four years in, in college and a Hobie Baker finalist, um, maybe a bit more finished if, if, if you get my drift and Nick Haig still, uh, as we've seen in camp has some things to work on. I think if they were going to want to replace the, the Colin Miller type player who was a right-handed shot, six one one ninety one. um, Dylan Coughlin being, you know, right-handed shot, 62190, and his performance throughout rookie camp and camp seemed to be the favorite, um, that he was the first of, of the group of five sent down was, was kind of shocking to me because Derek England would then be the only right-handed shot in the defense core for the Golden Knights. And in the past, we've seen Gallant like to kind of match up righty-lefty, um, in his defensive pairings. So Coughlin being the first guy down, you know, local media, um, Jesse Granger, who writes for the athletic and Ryan, the hockey guy who hosts the Vegas golden Knights insider show on the radio here, um, have all, you know, been singing the praises of Dylan Coughlin's performance in camp. And he, and he seemed like, you know, a fit type replacement for Colin Miller. Um, reasons to go with Nick Haig, um, maybe, uh, wanted to get a little bigger. Uh, if you Dylan Coughlin seemed to be farther advanced with his offensive game, uh, not, not to sell Nick Haig short, but I think there's still room to get to a ceiling with Nick Haig. Um, but if you want to, if you want to be able to go a little bit bigger on defense, then obviously Haig at six six two fifteen is, is, you know, the, the bigger, heavier guy. So, you know, maybe we're looking at a uh, eight-man defensive core where Schultz and Haig um, might make the team out of camp. And if that's the case, then when we get to the forward core, it becomes a little more complicated because you have uh, Nicholas Waugh, who came over to the Golden Knights in a trade. You have... 
Keegan Colasar, who I, I've mentioned in the last couple of shows, and I'm, I'm still every, – every time he's on the ice, it, his name is coming across the screen. He's on the puck. He's quick with the puck. He can drive the play deep into the offensive zone. Last night he started uh, – Reeves has an injury right now. He's skating with the team. It doesn't appear to be serious, but nevertheless, no six center, Carrier and Colasar played for Reeves. That line was pretty effective as the game went forward. If Tuck is injured, Colasar is a right winger. If, if Tuck can't start the season, my guess is Colasar makes this team and plays the third line right wing. Now that on the other side of Cody Eakin last night, uh, before camp started, the gen- general wisdom was that Brandon Perry was was going to be the third line left wing. Well, Zekoff really impressed this coaching staff and team. He stayed in Vegas all summer. He didn't go back to Russia. He was at the tra- at the training facility every day working out, um, and he's come into camp in in not only great shape but confident in and he's playing with confidence. And the theme of going bigger, like with Nick Haig, um, I had this whole one. Perry is about 40 pounds lighter than Zekoff. Zekoff's 220. Perry checks in at 186. And so if, if, if you want to go with more of a consi- uh, traditional third line, Chris, um, if you have if you have Tuck on one side at six four, two twenty two, Zekoff on the other side at six foot two twenty, you could lay a little lumber. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Eakin being the the kind of prototypical third line center where he he has some offensive touch, he has a lot of speed, he he's very responsible in his defensive end, and he can kill penalties. So it's if you're thinking that way, then by starting Zekoff last night on that third line, it might just have been to confirm in Gerard Gallant's mind that that, that was the way he wanted to go. And I kind of took it that way. Um, we'll see what an happens. In, go ahead. Yeah, an, an interesting uh, thing, uh, thing to bring up, too, is all organizations are doing this about the Islanders and, like, all teams trying to decide what to do who to send where. But when it comes to young players, your young players have to play. Now, if you're talking about a short window and you, uh, in terms of Gatigue and Jimmy Schultz, and you say, you know what, let's carry both of them the first two, three weeks, see where we're at. You know, they'll, you know, they'll, even though they won't both one night, they won't both dress every game unless sure. an injury happens. But we'll, you know, we'll have actual practice time. We'll see how they're at. And then you can kind of make a decision two weeks in kind of thing, maybe three weeks in, uh, one stays, one goes down. But in terms of the big picture, when it comes to young players, young players need to play. So you don't yeah, want to have, if, it, if it's that thir- 13th forward or 7th defenseman, a guy like a Nick Hague kind of falling into that group. You really want more of a veteran guy, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a Derek England, uh, uh, you know, like a Tommy Kunako on the Islanders in terms of that 13th forward who can kind right. of just step right in, knows there. Um, so that's, you know, when making these decisions, that's another aspect 
I think, to it, and uh, uh, many more times than not, they're going to, you know, send players, young players down, let them keep to developing, and and things of uh, things of that na- nature. And I think that's a, a, a perfect scenario on what's going to happen with Cody Glass. He's shown um, preseason that his his hockey sense and his on ice vision is his awareness of where his teammates are, his abilities to pass the puck through traffic and get it where he wants it to go. Uh, oftentimes, um, to to teammates who are skating onto the puck and his timing with the pass. Um, a lot of those intangible things can't really be taught. It's just something that he has an innate vision of where his teammates are going, not only where they are, but where they're going to be. And you can't have Cody Glass being your 14th or 13th forward in the press no. box. He's going to go to Chicago to barring bar, you know, we don't know what's going on with Cody Eakin yet. If, if Cody Eakin's out, uh, everything I said about Colasar, Peary and Zekoff battling for that last spot, Cody Glass will make the team, I believe out of camp and play third line center until Eakin is ready to go. If Eakin's ready to go, yeah. I fully, I fully expect Chicago to put, um, Cody Glass on the first line and penalty kill and power play and let him just log minutes as a professional. And keep in mind, Cody Glass is a phone call away. So if an injury Absolutely. happens, like for instance, again, I'll use the Allen as an example. Uh, our good buddy from a couple of mock drafts ago, Noah Dobson, looks sensational. Now, the, 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 the rub for the Islanders is uh, they're very deep on defense. Thomas Sickey is their seventh defenseman. That's not accounting Noah Dobson. But no Dobson should be on this team. He's proven everything in junior. He should be on this team. But uh, they'll make probably make the opening night roster. But once he gets to that ninth game scenario, he can't be sent to the AHL. It's either junior hockey or with the Islanders. So they don't have the luxury of, you know what, why are we pushing this roster squeeze? Let, let him play in the AHL. Injury happens. You know, we'll pull him up end of October, November, whatever. Vegas is in that position with Cody Glass. It's really not that big of a deal to me. And give you don't have to rush him, give him extra time. Whereas teams like the Islanders, who have someone like Noah Dobson, who might even be a little bit more advanced than Cody Glass where they are right now, but because of that rule with the junior eligibility and the you know not being able uh, to get to the AHL until two years in, because Glass was the draft before, it makes it a little bit more of a uh, difficult decision for uh, for certain hockey clubs. So Vegas, you know, don't fret. Literally, you know, he can get. He, you know, he, you're going to see Cody Glass, I believe, as long as he's healthy, uh, at some point this year, and and probably for a, a nice portion of this season. Yeah, I, I I think so too. And and once once a, a player like Dobson goes back to his junior team, he can't be recalled even in emergency situations. Yeah, so the seasons. Yeah, until their season is over. But right. I don't think that's what... he's, he's, he, he's looked too good. And I don't think uh, – I don't want to delve into the Islanders in the very biggest lane, but I don't think he's going down. So I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if the Islanders made a trade between now and opening night. But we'll put that aside. But, uh, uh, yes, that is correct. So when you send the player down, uh, unless there's some emergency loophole, uh, basically until the season ends, their season ends at junior which you've seen in and the that, past, right? Like, for instance, yeah. Al McCarr is a good example 
uh, he want to play playoff games. He started, although he played college hockey in his case. But the season ended, he declared himself a pro, and then he's in the playoffs. But other teams have done that with um, the guys in junior hockey as depth players and due to injury, maybe even stuck to the lineups come the play come the playoffs, depending upon how far their team has gotten in the in junior hockey playoffs. Well, that's exactly the scenario for Cody Glass last year as he went back to his junior team, and when their season was over, he joined Chicago for exactly. um, the playoff run all the way to the final. So exactly. they were, he was, and he was really good, but you weren't going to see him up in Vegas um, with the whole, the whole Gusev signing and trying to carry him into the playoffs. And you, you know, you may have seen him at some point, but there was a lot of roster fluctuation with the golden Knights um, at that time. But the, yeah, same, same scenario with Cody glass, except this year he'll be in Chicago to start the season and will definitely um, be hearing from Cody glass soon. If not, you know, before, you know, it, it depends on the Cody Eakin situation. If he is, if he's healthy to start the season, then we will see, Cody Glass in in Chicago. Anyway, let's uh, Dan Harrison's on board with us. We're going to go ahead and kick off the uh, Atlantic Division preview segment of our show. Make sure you follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Harrison H E R R E J O N. <clears throat> Excuse me. He writes for for the Lightning Insider, and he's a weekly guest on Lightning Radio Network, the Power Play Show. And I've been looking forward to this episode for all three. We've had. J.D. Styles with the Pacific, Jeff Ponder in the Central, uh, Shiger came in and, and did the Metropolitan, all fantastic guests, and we're, we're going to, you know, we're batting clean up with Dan, and, and I know he's, he's ready to go. So, Dan, welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast, sir. It's great to talk to you to kick off another season. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I've been also been looking forward to this for a few weeks now, too. Well, all right, you're Lightning Insider, so let's uh, jump right into Tampa Bay, and we'll get your thoughts on on where they are last season, uh, record-setting season, one of the best seasons in National Hockey League history. There's no bones about it. Um, Vasilevsky uh, probably took his game to another level. Um, Everything was falling into place, and then Columbus happened. So without rehashing – any of that, where are they and and what's your feeling around this club heading into this season? Well, you know what? It it was absolutely a a playoff loss of historical proportions. But what I've seen so far in camp uh leads me to believe that that this team I mean, there's going to be an awful lot of pressure. And it's not even the regular 82-game regular season. It's it's going to be through the playoffs. You know, this team has been built over the last few years to go deep into the playoffs. So, you know, last year notwithstanding, that's the mindset. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, they did make uh, some – some changes in personnel. They, uh, Dan Girardi, Anton Strawman, and Ryan Callahan, three aging veterans. They're no longer on the team, and they've they've been Julian Breezeau, the, the general manager, in his first off season, uh, added Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, Pat Maroon, 
and Luke Shen, and they've got a couple of young players vying for a couple of open spots. So this team is, on paper, one of the best teams. But until the playoffs come, uh, the jury's going to be out. Well, good news for Lightning fans. They did finally get Brayden Point re-signed a three-year, $20.25 million contract Monday, and that got him into camp. Um, so, so obviously that's good news. We we heard yesterday uh, also Patrick Line got his deal done finally, so I'm, I imagine he's on his way back from Switzerland. Um, what do you think? when a young player is missing um, significant portions of camp like that, is there going to be an impact uh, heading into the regular season with point? Well, you know, the, the, after, after the contract signing was made official, uh, the lightning informed, uh, put out a press release about the fact that, that he is not Braden Point is not going to be available till towards the end of October because hmm. he had a procedure done on his hip. So, you know whether or not this was a contract year for him, that hip, uh, the whatever procedure had to be done on the hip probably would have been done, and we would probably not have seen him until the the third or fourth week of October, as it turns out to be. But uh, you know clearly they avoided a situation like Toronto and Nylander went through last season as, you know, the same thing with, as you just mentioned with line a, you know, Winnipeg, uh, uh, they, they got that deal done, even though he's missed training camp, it won't take, it shouldn't take him well into the season before he's, he's Patrick line. A. we've come to know. For sure. For sure. So with, with Tampa being the, uh, I mean, I'm interested to see how they start the season because um, you never and and the Gold Knights are going through going to go through the same kind of thing, I believe, after their um, ignominious uh, exit from the playoffs last year, um, where all appearances are that they all have that chip on their shoulder that they missed an opportunity. Um, I, I I think that. Tampa's probably going to come out the same, you know, chip on their shoulder that they missed a, a golden opportunity as well. Um, mm-hmm. Toronto's been missing the same opportunity for, <laughs> excuse me, for three years in a row now, I believe. Um, they got their Marner deal done, and and so they and they've made some changes. Codry was on the way out, notably. Um, Muzzin gives mm-hmm. a, a full camp with the club, and, and that's going to help uh, as as their decor for sure. Um, it, they're going to be there. They're going to be one of the top three teams in the division. This is one of the – I was talking with Chris before we started the show, and I believe this is the most top-heavy team or top-heavy division in the National Hockey League where you, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston are your teams to beat, and they're going to battle all the way through the regular season. The, the playoffs are where the, the proof is going to be in the pudding. So as, as Toronto goes forward, are they going to, I mean, this is long-term down the road. We all think they're going to get a hundred points. Um, they've got whatever any NHL networks, top 50 players. They have three of the top um, 15 players. I believe it was with Tavares, Marner mm-hmm. and Matthews. 
Um, is this team structured now with the changes they went through to make that postseason run? Well, unless – look, there's no question that Toronto – that's a very high-powered offense with Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and, and this year a full season of Nylander. So you can't – this, in fact, in, in my predictions for the Atlantic Division, I've got Toronto finishing at number two over Boston at number three. I have Tampa coming in first place. But you're right. It's going – you know, I call the Atlantic Division a feast or famine division because – I could make a case for Tampa, Toronto, and Boston being the top three teams in the league. Yep. At the same time, at the same time, it's hard to hide the fact that you know you look at a couple teams like Ottawa and Detroit bringing up the rear. Those two teams that are clearly in rebuilding mode. You're looking at arguably two of the bottom teams in the in the league. So. The as you said, I think that's a great point that you know you, you're going to see throughout the season Tampa, Boston, and and Toronto battling for those the the playoff position uh, because the best scenario for Toronto is to win the Atlantic outright because then they won't meet either Tampa or Boston in the first round, especially Boston. Uh, for sure, what is this <laughs> two or two or three years in a row? That's been the cause of their their first round exit but you know the question around that surrounds Toronto is did they improve enough defensively there's no question nobody can question their offensive capabilities as a team the question then becomes is is their defense and and goaltending strong enough to to go deep in the playoffs like like they're built for that would be the question yeah, and even with even with Montreal and Buffalo, which Chris is going to get to here in a minute, um, we, we had one of the things we talked about last week. Uh, Shag put up a great question: um, If you had to choose between Philly or Florida, being that fifth wild card team, where do you go with that? And so we dealt we delved into Florida just a little bit, and you know, Bobrovsky's there now. Um, Coach Q is there, and I I just think for me that Vigneault is going to be a better fit with the Philly group right away. Um, Coach Q obviously is going to command respect in that locker room, but it might I think it might take him a little while to build the culture that he wants to build in Florida as opposed to Vigneault and his style fitting in in, in Philly. So for that reason, I picked Philly for that question. Um, well, let me go ahead and bring in Chris, and we'll get into some of these other teams here in the division. Hey, Dan, great to have you back as always. So uh, let's talk a little Bruins here. You know, there's, there, I look at it as two kind of hangovers one can have. Uh, a good hangover is <laughs> such thing after you get a big promotion or a new at your job or a new job, or you know, you you go away with the boys for a weekend trip, or you win the Stanley Cup. Uh, like the St. Louis Blues do, and they, they, you know, they got is there going to be a hangover effect? But there was another team in that Stanley Cup final, and you know they have a bad hangover, if you will. They played as many games as the Blues, um, if you will. So where, where are the, you know, they lose Game Seven at home. Where are the Bruins at in terms of 
picking themselves up off the mat, moving forward. It's basically the same core. How do you feel about the Bruins this season? Well, look, the, the, the Bruins, in my opinion, have the top line in the, in the league right now with Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak. That, that line is incredible. And as they go, so will the Bruins. You know, the Bruins are almost the, the in my opinion, the opposite of what, what Toronto is, where Toronto's question marks center around their defensive core uh, Boston, I think beyond that top line, where are they going to find some offense? I think to their to their credit, they're going to have Charlie Coyle, who played big down the stretch and in the postseason for them um, last season. I think having a full season of him, because he was a, a deadline deal for them, having him for a full season, I think we're I think he's got an opportunity to have a breakthrough year. You know, I love the fact that they locked for them, that they locked up Charlie McAvoy uh, with that uh, contract. And this kid, to me, I think he he he's not big in size, you know, as opposed to his, his uh, uh, defensive uh, mate in, in Chara. But what, what this kid lacks in size, this guy has, this guy is one of the best up-and-coming young defensemen. I think, though, the question for Boston is always going to be beyond the top line, where who's going to produce some offense for them? Uh, because you know that that every team is going to throw out their best checking line, their best defensive stop uh, line uh, against the, that Bergeron's line. So you got to find some offense somewhere else. But uh, you know. The, I, I think that Toronto and Boston are going to battle throughout the season for that second and third spot. The Panthers, they always seem to be, you know, we look at some teams that are don't make the playoffs or out of the race. You could say, well, you know, they're just quite frankly not good enough here or there. They don't have enough good, good uh, enough top players. The Panthers always have been. Uh, uh, in the last few years, a little bit of a head scratcher because you see a lot of talent on that team. Now, you know, having said that, you know, last year, uh, as, as talented as those players are, not strong enough on defense, not good enough in goal, uh, and not enough bottom six or bottom pairing defense of players uh, to round out the roster. So Bobrovsky comes in, that's a major upgrading goal, and you have Coach Q now manning the ship behind the bench. Is Florida, is that enough? And then there wasn't a lot of other changes. I know they brought in Strollman. If he can hit, capital I, capital F, he can stay healthy, which, as you know, uh, there's a lot of bumps and bruises in that body. Um, but Bobrovsky's really the, the, the where they're hanging their hat on in terms of major change to the roster and Coach Q, do they have enough to become a playoff team this year? Well, you know what? You, you touched on their their Achilles heel, and that's, that's they were one of the worst teams in the league last year as far as goals against. And and you're right. They they have huge question marks on defense and it, or had 
big question marks on defense and in goal. The signing of free agent Barowski, Sergei Barowski, certainly answers one of those questions. Is a, is an elite goalie uh, past multiple uh, Vezina winner uh, in net, and he's in the prime of his career. Is that going to be enough? Uh, you know, the Quenville, Joel Quenville. You, you certainly will. I think you're right. We'll have the respect of the locker room initially, but do they have enough? You know, it's all well and good to have uh, uh, a three-time Stanley Cup winning coach and, 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 a, and an elite goalie, but is, are those two pieces simply enough for, for the turnaround in, in, in terms of this team being able to stop uh, their opponents? I think it gets them. You know, uh, it was interesting what Mark was saying about the Philly versus Florida, and and I think on paper, I think I would have to go more with with Philly in, in that question. But you know, I I wouldn't ca- count out uh, Florida. You know, uh, a kid that they added was uh, Brett Connolly, who played a couple seasons and won a Stanley Cup with uh, Washington. He was originally a Lightning. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick, but Brett Connolly can certainly add 20, 25 goals uh, with the with the right level of uh, ice time. And and if if the the Panthers can can shore up defensively, they're certainly in in the mix with Toronto. I'm sorry, with Montreal for a wild card uh, spot when the dust settles. Yeah, that defense could be the the big key for me. I mean, Coach Q is one of the best coaches going, but just because you're a great coach, for instance, as you know, the Blackhawks very well, Dan, you know, they've been struggling on the back end for years. And, you know, he, Coach mm-hmm. Q can't just – you have to have the horses to some degree. You can't just wave a magic wand. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it, he wasn't able to do that because they just not strong enough on defense. And But also it's a commitment to team defense as well, which I think he will bring, but – uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they take if they're able to take that step. Well, and that's where you mentioned the the addition, the signing of uh, Anton Strawman. Uh, you're when in Strawman, you're talking about a very very good stay at home defenseman. He's he's a veteran in the league. He's played on on several teams uh, the last few years here in in Tampa. But if Strawman can with his experience and with his voice in the locker room, if he can help, you know, I think Aaron Eckblad obviously is a, is, is a talent, but uh, maybe adding a veteran like Anton Strawman and having Q behind the bench, uh, you, it could be a, a step in the right direction. You know, they're going to yeah, be battling for, for a playoff spot, but Maybe they they are a year or two away from, and a few acquisitions away from, from them being you know a serious contender. Yeah, I think Strowman could have a big effect on them, but he has to stay healthy, and he's just a year older, and he's had a lot of injuries. Um, let me finish off with you, and then hand you back to Mark uh, with Detroit and Ottawa. You know CBY well for running the Lightning all those years. He's now in uh, running the Red Wings. I look at the Red Wing fan, and I see some talented, super talented young forwards. I see a mm-hmm. lot of aging players, both 
up both at forward and basically almost their whole defense as well as goaltending. Um, they got some pieces in the pipeline coming, again, mostly at forward. How is – I mean, how is, does DBY attack this? Does he – is he in a full rebuild? Is he in a retool? Is he going to be open for business on some of those young forwards that I mentioned in the right deal? Because at the end of the day, he needs to get better on the back end. Uh, who's their future netminder? Things like that. How do you uh, how do you see CBY looking at this season and moving forward? Well, to be to, you know, to be frank, I think he's got a bigger rebuilding project on his hands now than when he came to Tampa. Now the cupboards were bare when he landed here in Tampa, but he did have two foundational players in Stamkos, Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. He inherited those when he arrived here, but he still had a big rebuilding project. And I see that he's, I feel that he's in the same situation, maybe without those cornerstone players yet. Although, you know, I, I agree with you as far as those young forwards, Dylan Larkin, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, even uh, I'll tell you the kid, uh, uh, Athanasiu. Man, yep. he's got he's got to be. I, I love his speed on the ice. He creates offense. A- Anthony uh, Manson, yeah. another one. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, they've got some talent, but they're younger uh, players now. Will will two of those guys? Uh, turn it to some cornerstone players like Stamkos and Hedman uh, here in Tampa, it, that remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, he's he in Iserman, he has an awful lot of work to do to, to start writing that ship. I mean, if if past is any indication, uh, I think in, in a couple, two, three seasons, we're going to be talking uh, about the, the – Detroit Red Wings as being one of the contenders in the Atlantic Division. So let me finish up with you with Ottawa, and then I'll let Mark finish with you with Montreal and Buffalo. So really, I guess, in terms of the Senators, uh, a lot of nice-looking young talent on this roster. I mean, Brady Tuchuk, uh, you know, um, uh, Brandstrom, um, you know, to to, to name a couple – uh, Tom Shabbat um, and, and others, and a good, really good pipeline coming along. But is this season really about playing the young guys, letting them uh, develop more, um, seeing some of those guys I mentioned the pipeline getting promoted along the way, um, developmental year for those guys, and we, we'll wind up with a top ten kind of draft pick. And add to our future core. I mean, can we expect anything really more than that from Ottawa? Well, it, you know, when you when you're talking about the Ottawa Senators, I, I agree with you that there's some young talent on that team, but it's it's going to be a long season for them. I mean, I, they've got a few veterans. When you think about the the addition of Tyler Ennis and uh, Michael Boddicker, so you've got some 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 let's say bottom six forwards who, who who have some NHL experience but but they don't have enough to compete and and I think it is about playing those the the younger players to see what what they're they're uh capable of doing I I am intrigued by the addition of Zaitsev you know is 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 he you know uh, 
I think the jury's still out is on him as far as a uh, uh, NHL defenseman is. I, I he's had some very good moments. He's had some bad moments, uh, but you know, uh, you, we talked about Detroit being a rebuilding. This is for Ottawa. I mean, one good sign is they they own their draft picks next year. At least yeah. they can begin. You know, and if you're talking about next year's draft as 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 one of the strengths of this year's team, uh, we, the Ottawa fans already know what they're in store for. I think. Well, all right, we're talking with Dan Harrison about the Atlantic Division on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and that leaves us down to the possibly the bottom of the division. Um, I want to get to Buffalo because they're a team that's kind of interesting to me too. They have, they drafted real well um, mm-hmm. about two to three years ago. They, they Casey Middlestat, um, Sam Reinhart, Evan mm-hmm. Rodriguez is a, is a nice piece. Um, they bring in VC, Eichel and Skinner, you know, great one, two punch, a lot of chemistry there. Um, we're hoping Middlestad can can take a, a, a step here, and I believe a second full season with the team. Um, <clears throat> Colin Miller is is a you know I, I'm real familiar with Colin Miller um, going back to mm-hmm. his days with Kings, and obviously in Vegas. Um, nice nice addition on defense, Darlene. Um, very electric offensively. Let's hope he can be a little bit more stable and reliable in his own end. <clears throat> Excuse me, this season. Um, Ristolainen's a nice player. Scandell is a nice player. So a decent top four on defense. Um, Carter Hutton came over and had a nice little run. You remember they went 10-0 and 0 last season during one mm-hmm. stretch. But Finished the year with a 3.0 goals against and a 9.08 save percentage. <clears throat> He'll have to do better on his goals against, but I think that might have a lot to say with with how well that defense plays in front of him. Are we still a few pieces away in Buffalo, or are they going to be sort of battling Florida for those four or five spots in the division. I kind of, I kind of like where Buffalo's headed. I don't know if they did quite enough in the off season with the defense core. Um, but I kind of think that it'll be them in Florida in the four or five slot. What say you, Danny? Well, I, to be honest with you, I think Buffalo is going to be nipping at the heels of both Florida and Montreal. And I'll tell you why. I I, I love the talent on Buffalo. There's no question. And you missed uh, the addition of Marcus Johansson. I think is huge uh, yeah. for them. Absolutely, it's a veteran center. He, this is a guy who know you know he's very good in the no ozone. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, good experience. And I'll tell you, no, uh, you know. Um, Chris mentioned that because I'm originally from Chicago, I have, I still, you know, I, I stay, uh, keep my fingers in that, in that, what's going on with the Blackhawks. And I'll tell you, they, they are going to rue the day that they got rid of Yokoharu. He's a right-handed defenseman who, who played very well under Quenville, 
who we know loves defensive uh, defensive defensemen, and that's what Yokoharu does. But he, he's got a good shot. He's he's a right-handed uh, defenseman, and and I think people, the fans of Buffalo, are going to be surprised at how well this kid. He did very well under Quenville, but when Quenville got fired mid-season last year, uh, his replacement. Uh, Jeremy Kettle, and he did not play Yokoharu. Yokoharu went to the World Championships in, in January or February, whenever it was. And when he came back, the team uh, sent him back down to the AHL. But this kid, I think he's going to turn some heads, and I think there's plenty of opportunity. The downside for the Sabres, in my opinion, is is they're under third coach in four years. There's no... Sure continuity there there's no there's no consistency there and there's an awful lot lot of young talent reinhardt uh we did mention connor sherry that kid's blazing fast a great yeah. third liner so I, I think there's an awful lot of talent i just you know the, the you know you mentioned the 10 game winning streak last year and and that was impressive one of the most impressive streaks in in the whole season but then the wheels came off and, and, yeah, you know, obviously it led to another coaching change, but, but to me, that's the, the big question mark is it, it with regard to, to the Sabres is, you know, they got a lot of young talent, but you know, if there's not enough uh, continuity in, in the system that they play or with the coaching staff that they have, there's a, continues to be a revolving door. This team's never going to, this organization's never going to hit, uh, their expectations. No, and that's a good point you make. I, I I liken it to the the college that fires their football coach three years after they hire him. Um, they don't have any of that coach's upperclassmen. Um, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know what I'm saying. You, yep. To get a full turnover, you've got for most players and, and the Jack Eichels and, and the Connor McDavid's of the world aside, you've got your draft year, you've got another year of juniors, you've got a, at least a year in the AHL, and then you start sniffing and trying to force the hand of the organization that you're ready to play. With three coaches in four years, you've had three different draft philosophies, um, three, you know, three different offensive mindsets, three different defensive mindsets. Um, <clears throat> you're not letting these kids mature. And one of, one of the good things that the Kings did when they were putting their roster together was that they, they took their minor league philosophy that Dustin Brown and, and Kopitar and quick and brought in coach Murray and instituted that same philosophy and let those players grow together into a championship team. And um, when Coach Murray couldn't get that team over the hunt, they brought in Coach Sutter. Really the same philosophy, a little bit more defensive orientated, a little bit more, um, let's say, heavy-handed, demanding responsibility in both ends of the ice from that club. And and that was when the switch flipped and they became a championship team. And I agree with you 100%, Dan, that it, until Buffalo can create a, a two- or three-year window with these young kids, um, it's going to be really tough for them to, you know, grow together chemistry-wise when – you guys both know, when you're thinking the game on the ice – you can't slow the game down. 
um, everything's happening while you're thinking. And I think that's what we saw in the second half of last season with this club. Um, after the run they went on, um, it, it, like you said, it fell apart. And the the continuity where you're just reacting to the to the play on the ice, I I think that's going to go a long way if they can, you know, carry out of this year, get into sort of that 10-11 window in in the East, and have another full camp under the same coaching staff and get into next season. Um, I think that's where Buffalo's window is going to open. Um, the interesting point you bring up there, Dan. Let's get uh, let's bring in the Habs. Obviously, if not the best goaltender in the league, you're talking top three. Um, Were they missed the playoffs it, by one point last year? Two points. Two points. Two yeah. points. Um, where are so we with this Montreal is, team? Yep. So I think the question with Montreal is, you're right, two spot, two points away from the, that last playoff spot. Now, from from that point, are, did this team improve or did they regress a little bit? You know, they have a lot of good young players. Max Domi had a very good year for for him. So I love yep. Philip Deneau. Nice trade. Philip Deneau. Yeah. yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, but then, but then this week we hear, you know, I I I saw the first couple seasons of Jonathan Drouin's career oh, up close here, but we heard this week, you know, some rumblings that he's on the trading block, and you know, uh, it, they have to stay away from issues like that. But I'm 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 curious to see uh, Suzuki. If if you know if he makes the final roster, I see him see him in the that third line. What what this kid can do, I'm anxious to see. But who, dra- and, who drafted and, him, Dan? Who drafted Suzuki? Uh, was it Vegas? Well, that yes. that one club. <laughs> <laughs> but like Mark said, you know, with Carey Price, you're talking about exactly one of the elite goalies, uh, perhaps in history. So any team with Carey Price in net, they got the, just just with that fact alone, they're going to be in the mix. Now, is it enough to let's say overcome? I think they're battling Florida and Buffalo for the for whatever wild card spot or spots come from the Atlantic. Uh, is it going to be enough? I I, I happen to think that that Montreal's got a very good shot at a wild card spot. Their question their big question marks are uh, come up with uh on, on the defensive side. You know, uh Shea Weber's another year older and, and and do they have enough on their back end to to support Carey Price in that? And and that's the bottom line. I feel like this this franchise is wasting the best years of Carey Price's career by not putting a solid defensive foundation in front of him. Um, I mean, didn't he go home with every trophy uh, from the NHL awards show uh, three, two years ago, three years ago? I mean, he needed an extra plane just to carry all his hardware home. And, um, they haven't really sniffed 
anything resembling a deep run into the playoffs. I mean, you know what's you know what's ironic? I hate to interrupt Mark about what you're saying. No, please. Which is accurate is the one year the best team he probably played on, Kerry Price, if you remember, was I believe they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, but Price got hurt at the end of the previous series. I believe that was the year the Rangers got to the Cup Final. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or maybe they lost the Rangers around before, but they were in prime position to go on a run, and then Price got hurt in the playoffs, and they faced the Rangers and, you know, they, they battled them, but without their top, you know, one of their biggest strengths, you know, they lost to the Rangers, I think, in five or so. So that's the irony of it all. I agree. Everything you're saying is correct, except for that one year they had things together, and then they unfortunately got hurt at the wrong time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. They, they, I believe they would have had home ice if they had got to the Stanley Cup final against the Kings by one point. And that point was a – Goal that went off the netting, off Jonathan Quick. Oh, yeah. it, I've talked about this a few times. Yeah. It was, and it off the netting, off Quick's back, into the net, allowed Detroit to tie a game where Quick made 50 saves in a one nothing effort, it went to the overtime and lost the game. And if Montreal had advanced to the cup final that year, Montreal would have had, had home ice by one point. <clears throat> Then I'm, I'm looking at their roster right now. I don't see Suzuki on it. Has there been a transaction um, that we have missed? Nick Suzuki is not currently listed on their oh. website as being on the roster, so they might be um, starting without the young lad. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's no doubt that we will definitely see him in in some NHL yep. games this year. But uh, and you know we didn't even talk about uh, uh, another young kid there, Kaka Niemi. Oh yeah, uh, very very yep. impressive kid. Uh, so that you know we talk about when you talk about Montreal, you know they've got some very good young offensive talent. You know Tatar and 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 like I said, Drewan, uh, if he can, you know I don't know what this is. Uh, what's going to come about, whether or not he's on a trading block, whether that's his call or, or his requests or, or the team's wish. Uh, if, if they can stay away from those kinds of issues, you know, this is a very good puck possession team. And maybe that's how they, they, they hide their defensive uh, inabilities at this point. But again, any team that has carry price in that, you know that they're going to compete game in and game out. And and I think they're going to compete hard for that. Big fourth place in the in the Atlantic is almost a guaranteed uh, wild card spot, and I think they're going to be in the hunt for that. Well, all right, Dan, we're running short on time. Let me um, let me get your predictions, and I think we already got them. But uh, go ahead and recap what you think the top of the division is going to look like for us, sir. Whoop. Dan, are you there? Dan? I think we just dropped him. Yep, we did. Well, we're running short on time. I think, I I mean, he had already given us his predictions. He has. Yeah, I think uh, Tampa one and then Toronto two and Boston three, or did I mix that up? I might have mixed that up. That's what he had. That's what he has for sure. Well, let's go to you, Chris. 
Yeah, I have to. Yeah, I have the same thing. I'm going to say Toronto over Boston in the regular season from in terms of points because they had a little bit more rest from the Bruins did. Um, and I think both uh, wild cards in the East are going to come from the Metro. And I'm I'm going to go with Pittsburgh and Philly as those wild cards. Gee, uh, I'm right there. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I think Philly does make it. Um, Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs in some shape or form. I didn't have them in the top three, so they've got to be a wild card. And I'm going Toronto or Tampa, Toronto, Boston as well at the top of the division. I think, um, and we've seen it in the playoffs. I think Toronto is is more of a a team built to win in the regular season. Um, and I think Boston's built more in the vein of, of a playoff style hockey team. Um, we'll see what happens come April, May, June, if Toronto can um, change that perception of, of being a regular season juggernaut and, you know, out like a lamb and like a lion out like a lamb, as they say. Um so I'm I'm right there with you in the same fold, Chris. What what do we got on tap next week, buddy? Next week just could be me and you. We've had these great preview shows, uh, been very uh, heavy on the gas. So next week will be just me and you. We'll talk about uh, any big news this coming week. It could be who knows, maybe a trade or two in terms of people finalizing rosters. Uh, we have a couple of players still not signed, I believe, in Kyle Connor and and. Um, Ratnan, unless I unless I miss I might miss something. Uh, so I believe we'll keep, you're right. Uh, an eye on, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. The Dustin Bufflin situation. Like to talk a little Seattle, what they're looking at for this coming uh, season. Obviously, the Knights start Wednesday night at home against the Sharks, and then return to the scene of the crime on Friday night. So we'll talk about you know their games against their most hated rival, and I'm sure there'll be a bunch of other things. So we'll have a lot to. A lot, of, a lot of things to touch base next week. All right, my friend. Uh, the regular season is upon us. We are raring and ready to go for some regular season hockey. We'll get into all of the week's news and notes next week. Um, same time, Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And I'm not going to translate to all the time zones that listen to the show, but you guys know where we are. Um, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at the NL King. Um, still with Iron Isles this season, buddy? Yes, yes. I have a new article, a relatively new article came out on, well, actually it's not that new, I guess. It came out on Monday about uh, everyone underestimating, or a lot of people underestimating underestimating the Islanders. I think USA Today predicted they would come in seventh. Um, Check out Dan Harrigan on Twitter at Dan Harrigan, H-E-R-R-E-J-O-N. Great follow as well. And then Obviously, the Vegas Hockey Pod at Vegas Hockey Pod. There you go, buddy. And we'll, that'll do it for this week. We'll talk to you next week. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. Mm-hmm.